One, one, two, three. Hello and welcome to the People Powered Green Left Podcast, where we give a voice to the 99% and not the big corporations. If you think this project is important, please consider becoming a supporter today. Now, on to our latest episode. I'm Peter Boyle. I'm speaking today to Fionn Skiotis, a Melbourne-based solidarity activist and co-chair of North and East Syria Solidarity. What's the significance of this uh, this new petition uh, to delist the PKK as a terrorist organisation in Australia? Well, I think the new petition here is part of an international campaign, um, which is taken off in other countries as well, particularly in Europe, um, to have the PKK delisted or, or uh, deregistered as a terrorist organisation in all those countries. Um, it is banned or prescribed in the US, the UK, European countries here, New Zealand, Canada, I think, and so on. And and um, and so the, the effort to change that has to be an international one. And um, there have been attempts in Australia previously to have the ban overturned, um, particularly at times when the ban was renewed by the Australian government. Um, but this new attempt comes, at, I think, in 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 um, as part of attempts overseas to to bring this issue to a head and have finally a change that will see the PKK, the status of the PKK, regularised. Is it countries. true that the Australian government has only recently relisted uh, the PKK? And yes, it is. So, uh, were, were, were there were there any? Did the government show signs of taking any into consideration some of the concerns by made by the Kurdish community and their supporters in Australia? Look, the the PKK was banned in Australia in two thousand and six um, after a decision by the Howard government at the time, Conservative government, at the end of two thousand and five, following a visit by then Prime Minister Erdogan. And that's been renewed uh, initially, I think, every three years, and more recently, with a change in the regulations, every two years. Um, so, well, I'm not sure about that. It could be the other way around. But certainly, it's periodic, periodic renewal. And that you're right; that has just happened um, last year. Um, look, the government does make some statements about the need. I think I think the way they express it is the need to. Uh, connect with the Kurdish community here and make sure that they don't feel that they're being, you know, singled out or victimised or that the ban on the PKK somehow makes their community, you know, uh, uh, the subject of some particular criticism or anything like that. But uh, really it doesn't amount to much. I mean, there is not a commitment from the government that that I'm aware of to review that decision Um, and there was certainly no... uh, no acceptance of the submissions at the time to not not to renew the ban on the PKK. Um, by listing the PKK, it, this imposes quite a serious limitation on the rights of uh, the freedom of political expression of of Kurds who may support the liberation struggle um, um, that, that that is being waged uh, all over Kurdistan. Hmm. It's a very very much a real issue, very live issue, um, and in fact. You know, members of the Kurdish community have made that point repeatedly to the, to the Australian government, 
that they feel that they are restricted, their rights are restricted, they feel that they're targeted. Um, and, you know, at times that has a very real practical, uh, uh, you know, um, it, it's a very real practical thing. For example, some years ago now, the Melbourne Kurdish community was raided by armed federal police um, and, you know, great trauma and, and, uh, and um, you know, very, very serious imposition on people's liberties and, and very scary for the people involved. That hasn't been repeated since then, but that just shows the, the extent to which uh, there can be a targeting of the community here for engaging in political activity that is legal. But, uh, you know, the suspicion falls on the community through the, in large part, I think, through the banning of the PKK. And what I was going to say earlier is that this was very well expressed. In fact, the very first time the PKK was banned, two members of the parliamentary committee um, which is uh, the Joint Parliamentary Committee on Intelligence and Security. There were two Labor members of that committee at that time in 2006 who uh, expressed strong reservations about the, the action of banning the PKK. And a key point that they made was that the Kurdish community in Australia would, uh, you know, would see that and would experience that as a restriction on their legitimate political activity um and it could lead to victimization of members of the kurdish community um and uh they had every right to express their political beliefs as australian citizens here so in, yeah. in europe there have been um, uh, court cases decisions which have uh, have have put forward the argument that the pkk you know in legal terms should not be described as a terrorist organization so, I mean, these, these, I think, are the first cracks beginning to appear. I mean, notably in Belgium, I think, as you're aware, the, the decision there to, um, by the high, highest court there, to, it chose not to pursue a case against uh, Kurdish uh, activists. Um, and implicit in its decision was that the PKK should not be seen as a terrorist organisation or banned organisation. And so the case against those activists did not proceed. Well, that was a really critical decision. Uh, curiously, it was rejected by the government, the Belgian government, who said that despite the uh, decision of the country's highest court, they would continue to regard the PKK as a banned organisation. That in itself is rather extraordinary. But these, these sorts of, that and some other decisions are beginning to appear now, which we hope are the first cracks that lead to the crumbling of this um, this ridiculous uh, labelling of the PKK as a terrorist organisation, which quite obviously is not. Now, clearly that um, all these international listings of the PKK um, as a terrorist organisation um, tend to, to give justification to the, to the uh, Erdogan regime's uh, criminalisation, attempt to fully criminalise virtually any Kurdish uh, political activity or even sometimes Kurdish cultural expression uh, That's right. within Turkey. Well, exactly. In, in Turkey, you can go to jail and for significant periods for something as simple as saying a Kurdish expression or singing a Kurdish song. Um, you know, th this can be drummed up into support for a terrorist organisation. Similarly, and probably more extensively, the uh, many politicians in, in Turkey 
elected politicians within you know the the democratic system that they supposedly have there have been uh, stripped of their positions and jailed in many cases because they are regarded as supporting a terrorist organization namely the pkk so it is used um very effectively by the increasingly dictatorial erdogan regime and 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 further it is used in an international context i think as justification by turkey for its now very open warfare against the Kurdish people right across a number of different parts of Kurdistan, different countries. Um, you know, for example, we've seen recent attacks in northern Iraq, in northern and eastern Syria, in the Shangal area in, in Iraq. Um, and, you know, Turkey does these seemingly with impunity and is not criticized in the international organizations, the UN and so forth. Uh, or, or on a bilateral basis by countries like Australia, like the US, like the European countries. Um, I think part of the justification for Turkey doing that is that they are pursuing a terrorist organization. While the listing of the PKK as a terror organization in the countries of the, of the West, um, to use a shorthand expression, uh, remains that Turkey will be able to use that. So it is very important, I think, for the Kurdish liberation movement and its supporters to change that. One of the uh, consequences of the of the uh, listing of the PKK as a terrorist organization or the acceptance of this idea has been the extraordinary um, incarceration largely in in uh, under conditions of extreme isolation of, of Kurdish leader Abdullah Öcalan. And um, how do you see this campaign uh, relating to the campaign for 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 freedom of of Mr. Öcalan, but also even the right to to say his name? I mean, there's extraordinary censorship. I don't think we've seen this with almost any other leader of a liberation movement. The degree of censorship that exists, especially in this age of new media of 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 the internet. Um, mm. So, how do you see the two issues? Uh, as connect, how do you see them as interconnected? Yeah, they're very closely connected. Um, I mean, Abdullah Öcalan is indisputably the leader of the Kurdish uh, uh, liberation movement and, and Kurds worldwide, I would say. Um, and so you're right, the, the justification for not only jailing him, but isolating him away from all contact with people um, is is largely founded on this notion this ridiculous notion that the pkk is a terrorist organization and he's therefore the head of a terrorist organization um and that suits the turkish state to a t to be able to say that to lock him away i mean interestingly when it does suit them they can conveniently turn aside from that when there were some steps towards a peace process in 2015 um you know there were it suddenly became possible for Abdullah Öcalan to communicate with people and to get some messages out uh, and so on. So it's obviously you know, not such a big thing in reality for him to, to be able to speak and be able to communicate and be part of a constructive process. But the Turkish state sabotaged that peace process back then. And since then, unfortunately, there's not been nothing but aggression and open uh, you know, violence against Kurds in both within Turkey and northern Kurdistan and in other parts of Kurdistan. The PKK, which is called terrorists, 
has initiated so many peace um, overtures and um, peace negotiations and ceasefires. And uh, yeah, and it's called a terrorist while Turkey continues uh, to wage permanent war on Kurds within Turkey and outside, as you say. That's right. I mean, the real terrorist is Erdogan and the terror regime is the Turkish state, which is in all kinds of ways is uh, waging war. It's also supporting genuine terror organizations and the connection between the Turkish state and Erdogan's regime and groups like Islamic State is is very clear and has not yet been properly accepted or covered in the Western media, I don't think. Um, so Turkey still pretends at some levels to, you know, to, to be part of attempts to crush Islamic State. That's, that's far from the truth. So Turkey is both a supporter of terror and a terrorist entity in its own right. Um, and the key to peace in Turkey and elsewhere in the Middle East in parts of Kurdistan, as you say, is is the Kurdish Liberation Movement and Abdullah Öcalan at its head. Um, you know, if, if Turkey were to, if international pressure were to lead to his being not isolated and ultimately released, and if there was some overtures for, towards a more peaceful uh, settlement from the Turkish state, perhaps under a different, different leadership, um, I think the reality would quickly emerged that the PKK is no terrorist organization, has not engaged in terror and is not interested in engaging in terror, engaged in a legitimate struggle uh, for the interests of Kurdistan and, and the Kurds. And that will become clear if there are those changes. We have to hope that there will be and we have to push for that. And part of that, I think, is those two struggles that you mentioned for the freedom and liberation of Abdullah Öcalan and for the delisting of the PKK as a terror organization in this country and, and other countries around the world. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. To continue producing shows like this, we need your support. Consider becoming a supporter for $5 a month, sharing this show on social media, and submitting your own stories. You can do all this at our website, greenleft.org.au.